So I'll give you an example of the main organ in menopause is the kidneys. So you're born with a certain amount of energy, which is your Jing, and that's housed in your kidneys. And the kidneys are the deepest layer of energy and they rule your low back, your knees, your bones, your overall sense of having energy, big transitions in life, the emotion of fear, they open in the ears so they regulate your hearing, they regulate the physical matter of your brain. Hello and welcome to Moving Through Menopause. I'm joined this afternoon by Dr. Shiroko Sokic and she is in Sonoma County in the good old United States uh, and it just so happens I've been there. Welcome Dr. Shiroko, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Well thank you for having me, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. We have a mutual interest in holistic health, health mm. in its broadest sense and uh, I'm sure you'll forgive me for saying that we are both women of a certain age. <laughs> no problem, that's the, the point of this. We have our experiences of transitioning and uh, you know for me it was a bit of a rocky road I have to confess but I've, I've had a wonderful week listening to your audiobook and uh, I mean that's an incredible piece of work. I, I can only imagine how difficult that was. It took years, literally years. <laughs> yeah. And were you writing as you were working at the same time? Yeah, I never, never really had, I mean I have vacations periodically but not very long and never really had time off work in all the years I've been in practice, so. And so, of course, we should mention that you are a medical doctor mm -hmm. and that for, for some of your time, you were a surgeon and also a, an emergency medicine doctor dealing with all sorts of traumas, you know, fresh from the ambulance. Yep. <laughs> I can't imagine how stressful that must be for, for a person. You know, the first time I, when I was a third year medical student, I had to do my first emergency room rotation and, and I was terrified mm -hmm. the first time I walked in. And I remember cause I, my first shift was the night, the night shift. So I started at like, I think 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And I remember before I went in, I was like shaking in my boots. <laughs> And then I went in and my first patient took me like six hours and he was a drunk who had like a cut on his eye and it took me six hours to sew him up and because I didn't know how and I went to medical school in Seattle and in the county hospital there, which was where all the traumas went. And um, I remember how terrified I was. But by the end, I had that rotation for four weeks. By the end of four weeks, I was seeing six patients in an hour. And I transformed, you know, from a terrified medical student who didn't know how to do anything to a medical student who was like on in charge and I like something new was born in me. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a bit like going to battle, isn't it really? You know, sink or yeah. swim. And when you stop thinking about it being traumatic or, you know, like all of those kinds of things, they go away. But even as you were working in the hospital situation, you were developing an interest in Chinese medicine and um, holistic approaches to health. As a result of that emergency room rotation, I became interested in surgery. 
because it was the first time I got to save a life, like really be there when a life was saved from, you know, death to life. And when a patient came in with a gunshot wound and, and it made me interested in surgery and the people in the county hospital wanted me to become a surgeon. So they helped me a lot in the transition from medical student to going to surgical residency. And, you know, as a child and as a young, you know, before medical school, I always was interested in integrative medicine, but then I dropped it because of this whole experience with surgery. And so my first year in surgical residency was really all about surgery. But then I had my first midlife crisis in my second year and, and began to ask questions because there was more, I began to realize there was more to living than saving a life mm. for myself as much as it was for other people, you know, or for the people that I took care of. And, and that that moment, even though it's an Im impressive moment, there's so much more and that you really want to live a full life. So I began to question that. And, and at that point, I took a month off from my residency and had a dream that if I stayed in surgery, I would die. And it was like a banner, like, if you stay in surgery, you will die. So I was like, well, now what, you know, and, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But then somebody gave me a book on Chinese medicine called The Web That Has No Weaver. And I read that book and I just fell in love like with the whole idea of Chinese medicine and how it works. And, and so that's at the time, it wasn't really my first thought to, to do integrative medicine. But then when I read this book, I was like, I have to learn acupuncture. I have to learn how to do this. And so that's, you know, kind of one thing led to the other. And here I am doing both now for over 30 years. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and I mean I know I'm a acupuncture trained physiotherapist, but uh, not in the Chinese uh, philosophy. It is it is much more Western medical acupuncture that uh, my background and training. So any of the uh, Chinese philosophy, Chinese uh, medicine that I understand is just from my own reading, really. But I am very drawn to. You know, the idea that everything is so interconnected, the more that we, the more that we work with people, the more we start to realize you, you can't separate out uh, emotions, for instance, from, from this, uh, you know, a sensation of pain. And so this whole interconnectedness, Chinese medicine really seems to speak to that very well from where I sit. Yes. I agree, yeah. You know, particular challenges in menopause, estrogen mm -hmm. decline is a, has systemic effects. It's not just uh, in the uh, sex organs, you know, that we, we notice changes. Uh, the brain, the heart, every bit of us, the muscle, the bone, every bit of us is influenced by this. And uh, the emotional sort of journey that you're on as well with transitioning you know for me it was definitely a challenge and still is uh, you know I'm, I'm not sure that it, it's going to go away completely but how how do you explain that in uh, in Chinese medicine how, how would we explain that so in Chinese medicine uh, everything is based on energy and energy moves through your body in certain patterns and when your energy is out of balance, there are problems. And so everything we look at is, is that. Every organ has different functions and 
emotional functions and spiritual functions in addition to many different physical functions than Western medicine. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example of the main organ in, in menopause is the kidneys. And your kidneys are really the foundation of your energy. So they're also that um, they're called the Jing that they hold the essence of your energy. So you're born with a certain amount of energy, which is your Jing and that's housed in your kidneys. And the kidneys are the deepest layer of energy and they rule your low back, your knees, your bones, your overall sense of having energy, big transitions in life, the emotion of fear, they open in the ears so they regulate your hearing they regulate the physical matter of your brain so all the chemistry that your brain has and all of that and <clears throat> and the power of will which is the kind of the spiritual the the power of forcing yourself to change your life if you when you need to so when menopause happens that's a big transition in life right um, what happens is there's also this concept of yin and yang. So there's the masculine, which is yang. It's daytime, bright, hot, sunny, masculine energy. And then the yin, which is cool, moist, feminine, nighttime energy. And those two energies are cycling throughout the day all the time. And as we approach menopause, what's happening is that these energies begin to shift. And in particular, the yin, which is the feminine energy, starts to drop. Well, at nighttime, the yin energy is supposed to come up and the yang energy is supposed to go down. And what happens is that when the yin energy drops, the yang energy ends up being higher at night. So that's when you get that hot and you can't sleep. Yeah, hot flashes. Yeah, that, I mean, it is a fascinating way of appreciating the fluctuations that we experience, that uh, energy meridians of Chinese medicine and energy flows around the meridians throughout a 24-hour period, and we experience things in our bodies at different times. And so this imbalance between day and night, uh, the yin and the yang, as you describe it, is, is fascinating. Because definitely, of all of the symptoms that women describe, hot flushes and nighttime disruptions is, mm -hmm. is quite high on the list of problems that people experience. Right. And so the kidneys also rule the emotion of fear, right? So then you could be more anxious. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely that. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the liver regulates the smooth flow of energy in your body and it regulates the emotion of anger and it regulates your menstrual cycles. And so um, when throughout life, women have problems with their periods, they get PMS, they get, uh, you know, that terrible anger and frustration that we get around PMS time mm -hmm. um, or fibroids or all of those kinds of things, those are connected to liver imbalance. Mm -hmm. And so at menopause or perimenopause, the liver also begins to go out of balance. And so then you have those mood swings mm -hmm. and those times where it feels like everything's crazy. I remember in my forties, I had some mood swings. Some of them were connected to my marriage, but, but some of them were just like, like I didn't recognize myself as a person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? um, like who is this? I can't even, I can't even be rational. Right. Sometimes. So that's all connected to that energy imbalance of your periods changing. And, and so 
and Chinese medicine, everything's connected, right? So all the different organs have different roles and they're doing different things. So another symptom that maybe you may not recognize as perimenopausal is the heart palpitations. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have, I have them all. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why you're such an expert. (laughs) Um, but the the kidneys are the you know they're the the they house the essence so they're they hold this the foundation of all the organs mm-hmm. so they're kind of the base and as the kidney energy changes mm-hmm. so another one of the things about the kidneys is right living so lifestyle is very important to staying balanced and in our culture we tend to overwork so they say not too much sex, not too much work, not too much food, like everything in moderation and everything in balance. And that's how you preserve your essence. Um, if you're lucky and you were got given a lot of essence when you were born, then, you know, you can burn your essence more. Yeah. <laughs> or you get to that place where you burn out. But, but some of these symptoms occur to people as young as in their mid thirties, because of whatever they're doing in their lifestyle or, you know, or stresses or because they didn't have that much energy to begin with, you know? Um, So, or something intervenes, you know, like if you get a chronic infection of some sort, or you have, we talked briefly before we got on this call about um, adverse childhood experiences. So traumatic childhoods can, can build up and damage your essence so, um, so all of that is uh, connected to uh, what could cause symptoms as you get older. And to me, perimenopause is a time where it's kind of, it all comes together, not necessarily in a fun way, but <laughs> because, because it's like your whole young adult life, as you get into middle age life, you know, there's all these things that happen. And then as we get into perimenopause, we, we shift in energy and, and it's not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a very important time emotionally and spiritually. And making that transition gracefully is not always easy. No, it's, it's really not uh, actually I think, you know, what we're saying is there's physical things happening in the body mm-hmm. and then there might be environmental factors that cont- make a contribution, mm-hmm. uh, stress at work and, and such like, nutritional mm-hmm. status. And then there's the emotional, spiritual side of the equation and that's all these things are colliding at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not, there aren't many uh, models that go any way to, to describe the, or to make these connections in the way that Chinese medicine does, mm-hmm. you know, that interconnectedness of everything. And to, you know, people may, may be unfamiliar with this, these concepts mm-hmm. and could perhaps write them off as a whole load of nonsense. But for centuries, this wisdom has served very well. And, and now it increasingly, you know, the scientists are demonstrating that the, there's a whole lot of validity. The experiences I've had of, of needling people mm-hmm. and some of the most miraculous and profound effects, uh, it works too well for there not to be something in it. Do you know what I mean? 
Right. And, you know, many physicians that talk about acupuncture, I remember, was a, I think he was a physician who's in charge of the World Health Organization. And he, he was giving a talk and he was talking about how for him, when he first heard about acupuncture, he witnessed it in China being done on animals. And for him, that was a defining factor because it was so obvious, A, that it worked and B, animals can't make those kind of judgments. No. You know, they they just respond to what's what they're experiencing. They're not making a judgment about or it's not there's not a placebo or anything like that. And you know, that's one of the things they say about acupuncture is that that there's a placebo effect. But honestly, I don't think so. You know, I've been doing this for over 30 years, a, and I still love it. But also, I've seen amazing results. Like you said, I had one woman who had a, a big ovarian cyst. Um, this was years ago, and she came in and she wasn't gonna. She was kind of impatient, so she wasn't gonna spend all her money trying to figure, you know, trying to get rid of this. So, like, basically, it went away in two treatments. And it was a big ovarian cyst, you know, it just like went away. Now you could say that maybe it would have gone away anyway, but it was big and they were going to do surgery. She was, she'd already had a lot of surgery. She didn't want more surgery. So things like that, that can happen, you know, with acupuncture. I had another patient who had a really large fibroid and she's a tiny little woman. And, and it, and there was an, and it was in perimenopause that this happened. She was bleeding very heavily. She was determined not to have a hysterectomy. And so she would come in and we would work and she responded great to acupuncture and it would shrink and then it would grow and then it would shrink. But when, after a while we began, to, I was like, you know, there's got to be an emotional component here. What is it? What is it? Um, and a lot of times to me, when you're having really heavy bleeding, your uterus is crying. And I know that sounds sort of like, what do you mean? But um, she had no children and she had wanted to have children, but, but somehow in her life, it didn't work. And so that was one thing. And she had had a dog that was her child. And when her dog died is when she started having that bleeding. And, and she didn't rec she didn't remember that until she had like, she'd done some meditation while having acupuncture. And cause I had talked to her about the emotions and the stress and all that. And she was like, Oh my God, I had this amazing revelation. And after that, the bleeding stopped and vibrate yeah. shrank and she went into menopause. So, yeah. I mean, that is the, the thing, the capacity, the fact that you, you, you look at people in the broadest sense mm -hmm. uh, when you take these approaches mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and that these, this is a time when I think things that you maybe were able to uh, bury, mm -hmm. past life experiences, uh, childhood, adverse childhood events we mentioned already, um, <laughs> It's kind of a time when things might just re rear the head again or reoccur, reappear. And it's kind of saying, now you really must deal with this, you know, <laughs> because it's coming round again. Um, and this seems to be something that happens that, you know, there are women who have no concerns at all around this time of perimenopause or menopause. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what is, what is it that makes that the case? 
I don't, I mean, we, we can only hypothesize. Right. For me, especially, I, I can relate, you know, a lifetime of some childhood events when I lost my brother when I was 17. And then my first son had cancer when he was one year old. And, you know, there was a whole load of awful stuff going on around those times. But when, you, when you're young, you know, you sort of push it to the side and uh, uh, barrel on through life uh, and then maybe it's stuff you haven't had time to deal with or uh, the desire to deal with and and it's telling me now it's time you know and and making this time uh, mm -hmm. something that i just couldn't ignore even if i wanted to you know? right <laughs> right yeah I want to talk just a little bit about the hot flashes because that's a big common issue. And so one of the things, and maybe you've read this or seen this before, because we talk about hot flashes as, uh, you know, annoying and, and irritating, but really for me, what it is, is it's a time that menopause and perimenopause are a time where our energy is shifting from that reproductive period of our lives mm. to a, we call it, I don't like that word, but crone, you know, like to come to our wisdom. Mm -hmm. And, um, but there's a physical energy shift that goes from the uterus to the heart. And that transition that that's, what's different for different people, right? Is like, how important is it to get to your heart? And what we call what I call hot flashes is power surges, energy pulsing up to your heart because like for most of you if you're having hot flashes the energy is rising right up into your body and so it's an important time and and many patients in my practice and many people that i know and in in my own life um, right around when menopause was starting is when my life fell apart that was when my marriage ended and I felt heartbroken and I felt like I didn't know who I was. And I had to like reboot my whole entire existence uh, with a whole new point of view on life. And this is not uncommon. You know, it's not uncommon for a marriage to end right around menopause. Of course, traditionally, the children grow up and they leave home right around that time. Um, and you know, now when women are having babies later, sometimes your child will be in, in puberty at the same time that you're in menopause, which I've witnessed with several of my patients. And, and that's also very interesting, you know, that parallel of puberty at the same time as a woman's going through menopause and how that shift affects though, both of the people's lives. Yeah. Um, and it's really an important time spiritually, you know, like because we're heading into the years before we die and we are all going to die. So that is a thing that, you know, it starts, we start to think about our mortality maybe more than we would when we were younger. Yeah. And, and what does that mean? And who do we want to be as we grow older and what kind of life do we want? And it's really important to, at that point in your life, to start thinking about how do I be true to my heart? Mm. How do I be true to, to this soul that I was given? You know, and again, women, we women tend to put our focus on other people mm. and on our children and our 
if like for me, it was my patients and my marriage. I didn't have children. Um, so, and, and then to find, well, what is true for me? Who do I want to be in this phase of my life? And I think that's what's so important about perimenopause. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely something that I, I feel uh, now that you mention it, uh, that, that whole idea of, um, now, if if it wasn't going to happen before now, it really must now. This is the time, you know, to, yeah. to really dive into that uh, self discovery and uh, and have have take time to really get in touch with, you know, whatever that next those next steps look like. And uh, and I must say that I, I was reading your book, well, listening to it on the audio platform which me I love because I can walk and uh, read at the same time. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, healing when, when it seems impossible. Uh, and, you know, really sometimes this has felt quite impossible, this whole menopause transition. And, uh, and you really summarize it very nicely into the, the different uh, strategies that we can take. And there's lots of really good self-help tips in there. Uh, and actually, I was sorry I was walking because I would have quite liked to make a note of some of them. My book is Healing When It Seems Impossible, Seven Keys to Defy the Odds. And it's about difficult times in our lives and how to journey through those times using these seven keys and uh the first key is love and so um and it's all about like because i'm a doctor and i take care of mostly health issues <laughs> it's uh what i realized when i went through my own big transition around perimenopause and divorce and all that was that love was what saved me love was what brought me back to being able to function and be beginning to identify who I am and make choices about what I want for the future of my life. And love is also the most healing power of the universe. Mm -hmm. And when people come to me, they feel betrayed by their body. So, so they're angry and frustrated with their health because they've been everywhere and tried everything. And so I start with love because you want to start thinking about your body as your friend and as a, a place where you should feel safe. <laughs> and I know we sometimes don't feel safe in our bodies for any number of reasons, but one is that we feel betrayed when our bodies give us a bad time. And if you recognize that your body is your friend and you ask yourself, well, if my body is my friend, what's it trying to tell me? Then you, you will start to have a different approach. You'll have a different attitude. Mm -hmm. So that's vitally important to getting to a place where you feel better and healing. And then the second key is finding physical balance. And because I've done mystery illness for many, many years and work with Chinese medicine, <clears throat> when people have problems that nobody knows the answer to, I've put Chinese and Western medicine together to say your hormones, your nervous system, and your immune system form a triangle. And when these three elements are in balance, then you can heal from anything. If you get your hormones, your nervous system, and your immune system in balance, you can heal from anything. And there are other elements to physical balance, including finding the root cause and healing your digestion and many elements like that. But 
these three things, especially when somebody has a mystery and, and in the eighties, when I was in medical school and residency, we didn't have some of the sophisticated testing that we do now. And, you know, even a lot further back, we didn't have sophisticated information. Mm -hmm. and, but if you were able to do this, and even now when people have, you know, with COVID, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of a mystery illness because we still don't understand it. What can we do? We can keep these systems in balance and that will facilitate healing even from something like that. Mm. And then the third key is finding your own unique lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a million ways to eat. There's a million ways to exercise. There's a million ways to sleep. You know, there's so many things out there for how to do and how to be. So what, what's the right lifestyle for you? And it changes over time. So when you're 20, it's different than when you're 40 when and different when you're 60, you know, it's like all the, so one way of exercising when you're 20 might not work anymore. And you're in perimenopause. The fourth key switches between the third and the fourth key is listening to your body, learning to listen to your body. And I love this because, you know, all that information I gave you about the liver and the kidneys, those are ways you can listen to your body. If you have low back pain, maybe your kidneys are out of balance or your knees are sore. Maybe your kidneys are out of balance. And so you can listen to your body using the tools of Chinese medicine and then adjust your lifestyle in order to figure out what does your body want? How do you need to exercise now? Like I used to do kickboxing in my 40s. And actually an injury in a car accident made me unable to kickbox but also as the, as i've gotten older hardcore exercise hurt causes me to be injured mm -hmm. and so i have to do tai chi and yoga and and when i do weightlifting i have to do it differently than i used to you know so all of those things are changes that we experience in learning to listen to those things and then the fifth key is finding um, emotional balance and recognizing that any sort of physical imbalance is also includes an emotional component. Mm -hmm. Each organ in Chinese medicine has an emotional and spiritual component. Mm -hmm. And then the sixth key is never give up and to recognize that you're on a heroic journey to find answers for your healing. And you may have had a hard time you may have been to many different people. You may have had different answers. And when you feel like you're at the end of your rope, don't give up. There's a reason you're going through this. And um, there might be, a, a I call it patience and persistence. To It's kind of this tricky thing because the seventh key is trusting the process, which is sort of connected to surrender and acceptance. And again, it's kind of a dance where you surrender to how you're feeling right now but you never give up on trying to be better. Mm. Surrender and accept that you're in perimenopause or menopause and you never give up on making your life the best that you can make it be. You know, when it gets really, really difficult is when you want to ask those questions of yourself, you know, like, okay, what do I really want? Who do I really want to be? How can I make this happen in my life? What does it take for me to get to this place and then never quit? Miracles are possible. <laughs> I love, I love that, and I, and I think that's right. It's, it is that mix of of acceptance, but yet still striving to to fulfill for a fulfilled life, and uh, and looking for that. So keep looking if if you feel like there's something you're looking for. Keep looking, and 
and definitely I, I loved I loved your uh, approach and that so many like I say lots of tips and guidance and uh, moments of clarity you know when I was listening to how you talk about uh, this this interconnectedness mm -hmm. of everything and and real simple tactics that we can incorporate into our everyday lives with ease so uh, thank you so much for your time today. I've, I've really enjoyed talking about your book and getting some uh, insight into why the menopause journey can be such a rocky road. <laughs> thank, yeah. thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Shiroko. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.